Father, as we go through our day-to-day lives, we want to know that you are near and close to us. Father, we want to know that you love us and that we have relationship with you, strong relationship with you, Father. Lord, even though we go to our work, to our jobs, to our careers, go with our families, with our friends, Father, we want to feel and experience you close to us. The truth of the matter is, as the Bible says, is that basically you don't move. You are the center of the universe. You are always there. You always have been there. When we make mistakes and when we struggle, those sins in our lives pull us away from you. And so, Father, for us to get back to you is just as simple as putting all our cards on the table. Lord, it's just as simple as us going to you and asking for forgiveness. So, Father, we're going to just take a moment right now, each of us individually, to go to you and ask for forgiveness for anything in our life that doesn't need to be there, any sin, any struggle. Let's just do that right now, each of us individually. Father, forgive us of those things, Lord. And today as we talk about living our lives as a servant like Jesus, Lord, we know that's not going to be any easy task at all. And so, Father, we just pray that you would give us and grant us the grace and the mercy to do that, Lord, that you would allow that transformation to start happening in our lives, that we would want to put aside our own desires and interests and perspectives and that we would take hold of yours. Father, we pray this morning that you would just fill us up with your Holy Spirit Lord, that your spirit would come into our lives, dwell, comfort, encourage us, pushing us forward into relationship with you and to serving and loving other people. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy birthday, dear Michael. Happy birthday to Kevin, respect the birthday, please. No, um, no, not yet. I will. It was just Stacy. Are you done? Good. Okay. Here we go. I'm gonna Make a wish. Blow the candle. Okay. Uh. Mm. Yeah! Oh, yay! <laughs> I asked for trick handles. Pam was supposed to get them. Okay. Well, when she comes back, we'll do it again. Hello, what about the birthday boy? Haven't had a hug all day. <laughs> no one cares about your birthday. Kevin's waiting to hear if he has skin cancer. <clears throat> oh, that sucks great. Wow, that's good timing. I'm sorry, that's... Terrible, terrible news. That's terrible, terrible news for both of us. Well, watching that really makes me cringe. I don't know about you, uh, because Michael, the boss, is so insensitive, so selfish, so oriented towards himself that it's his birthday, right? And he's upset because Kevin um, is getting the results back of his skin cancer test, right? because Michael's birthday party is more important than Kevin's life. And so if you've ever had a boss like that, then you, you sort of know <laughs> what that's like. The problem and the challenge for us as believers is not to act like Michael. 
is for us to not act in a selfish way, but to actually be humble and actually submit ourselves to other people. Now, this is not going to be easy. This is a challenge. And so as we've gone through our, oh, let me just mention this. We see a lack of humility there. But as we've gone through our series that God is calling us, we know that God is calling us to be a servant like Jesus. That when we go through our lives, that we are to live our lives as Jesus did. And a big part of that is being a servant to other people. So we're going to talk down through this. Uh, we're in our four-week series, a study, of, uh, a study on Philippians 2. Um, and we're going to be working down through this. If you've been in church before and you've studied Philippians 2, um, usually what happens is they spend all the time on Jesus. And that's not a bad thing. Um, but there's some prefaces, some things that Paul writes in advance there in that chapter that we need to take very seriously as we are trying to live our lives according to God's plan. Okay, so here's our strategy. Our strategy for our four-week series is this. Um, last week, we talked about a call to peace. Basically, we talked about the fact that uh, Paul here, the Bible here, is calling us to live our lives with peace and harmony and unity with other people who are in Christ, okay? And that it is really critical for if, we, if we want to be a servant like Jesus for us to be willing to live at peace with other people. Now, let me just ask the same question I asked last week. How many of you want to live in peace and harmony with other people? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are lying because you didn't raise your hand, all right? Or fast enough, yeah. We don't want to live in conflict. Nobody wants to live in conflict, right? That's not something that we enjoy doing. We all want to live in peace and harmony. Here's what Paul says, though. We talked about this last week, that basically there's four conditionals um, for us to live at peace with other people who are in Christ. He says, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, I'm going to read this again in a second, but if there's any comfort from his love, if there's any fellowship together in the spirit, if our hearts are tender and compassionate, these four conditionals that we talked about last week will allow us to start bridging the gap with other people. However, to really be able to do that, to really be able to be a servant like Jesus is going to require us to submit ourselves, to humble ourselves, to serve other people. And that's going to be the challenge that we're going to talk about today with a call to humility. Let's see what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 11. We're not going to do the whole, uh, all of 1 through 11. We're just going to look at like 3, 4, and 5, but we're going to read it all in context. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, Philippians 2, you can do that, or it'll be up on the Jumbotron as well. All right. Is there any encouragement? These are the conditionals that we talked about last week. If there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, if there's any comfort from God's love, if there's any fellowship together in the Spirit, if your hearts are tender and compassionate, then you can make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, two ideas that we're going to talk about. Um, basically, what Paul does here is he gives four conditionals in the first couple of verses, basically four 
senses, ifs, because, you know, if you, because you do this, this will allow you, this will open the door for you to be a servant like Jesus. He now gives four descriptions about what it means, what sort of what it looks like. Some of those things that will need to be in place for us to be a servant like Jesus. Some of those things of the way it will look. Two negatives, two positives. Let's talk about this. Um, first idea this morning is that we can learn to serve others. That we can learn um, to serve others. I have no um, intention. If you've been here before, you know that I like to put we must. You know, we must live this way. We must do this because God calls us to do this. With this one, I just couldn't bring myself to say that we must serve others because even though that's true, I, it is not natural for us to start out life and to go through life serving others. This is not a natural condition. This is something that's very foreign to who we are. If we think about ourselves for a minute, it's very easy for us to serve ourselves. We can serve ourselves. If we go to the mall, we know how to pick out things that make us happy. We know what kind of ice cream flavor we like. If you like ice cream, we sort of have an idea of what our spouse likes if we've sort of tolerated them long enough as we go through life. But we know what we like. We know how to serve ourselves. When we have a bad day, we can serve ourselves. If we have a struggle in life, we can serve ourselves. The thing is, is that it is very difficult for us to serve other people, as we're going to talk about um, this week and the next couple of weeks. It is so difficult that it is something that we must really actively, I believe, learn to do. It does not come natural for us. Um, some of you, if I ask, do you like serving other people? A few of you would raise your hand because in some ways you do because maybe that's, you feel like it's your spiritual gift or maybe that's, you take some pleasure in it. But as we're going to talk about in a minute, the problem is, is that even serving other people can be a way of just serving yourself as well. We have to learn to serve others if we want to be as Christ called us to be. All right, let's, let's break this down, look at a couple of things here real quickly this morning. Our basic nature is our own self-interest. We've talked about this a lot over the last couple of months, so uh, last probably this whole year we spent a lot of time on this, so we won't spend a whole lot of time today. Our basic nature when we start out in life is our own self-interest, self-focus, self-gratification, self-desires. Um, you know, again, we know how to please ourselves, we know how to make ourselves happy. We come out of the womb knowing what we want, desiring what we want, wanting to get what we want. It's easier that way. It just makes sense that way because this is the way um, the world tells us to do. When, when we go to work on Monday, our boss is not going to tell us, hey, go out and serve other people. Not going to do that, right? What's our boss going to say? Go do what, well, probably do what I tell you to do. But secondly, go out and do whatever it takes to get the company whatever the company wants, right? And that's the way our world works. We live in a doggy dog world where basically we know what our own self-desires self and self-interests are, and we go out and get those. Let's take that all the way back to Genesis, right? Because if you've read the Bible, um, if you haven't, definitely check this out in Genesis. But if you've read the Bible, you realize that this all comes back to what happened in Genesis, right? That Adam and Eve were there in the garden. It probably wasn't a very stressful time. It probably was a happy time. There they are walking around. Jesus is there walking with them, you know, God. And so the, the thing is, is that they're going through life and it's good and everything's good. And then what? They see a tree, they're not, the fruit of which they're not supposed to eat, right? But they want it. Me, I want it. So they wanted it and they ate it, right? And in our world, we would applaud them because they have get up and go and initiative and showed ambition and went and got that fruit, even though they weren't supposed to, but they were successful and they got it, right? But of course, we know that the problem is God said, don't eat this fruit because for whatever reason, you know, that God had in mind for them not eating it. Um, and they ate it anyway. And it, it naturally plays into their own self-interest. Of course, we know that when they did that sin, entered the world, and each of ourselves are tainted with that sinfulness. 
that when we come into our world, we know how better to please ourselves than other people. I've been married for about eight years, and uh, I don't really know how to please my wife or serve my wife. I'll just go ahead and be honest. You know, I'm going to be honest throughout this whole, I'm usually honest on Sundays. I'm going to be very honest, you know, this message, uh, because it's not really, it's not really something I'm good at. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I know how to get what I need, but it's really hard for me to please her and self and serve her, and uh, I don't know what she's saying. Oh, seven years we've been married, sorry. Seven, nine, eight, six, whatever, it's all good. All right, so, uh, so our basic nature is our own self-interest. So th- that's, that's the struggle we have. Listen, we get it natural, we get it honest. Why? Because when sin came into the world, it infected all of us, and it caused our natural basic instinct, our basic nature, to be good at pleasing ourselves rather than pleasing other people. Now, I'm just going to pause here because some of you are going to say, well, Pastor, why should I even care about serving other people? And we have to be careful when we say pleasing other people because that's not really a biblical idea in many cases of that word. But when we talk about serving other people, why should we even do that? Well, Paul takes that up at the end, and so we're going to cover that in the end. So if you're sitting there thinking, I don't care about this message because I'm not going to serve anybody. I don't care what they say. Then just wait till the end, and then we'll talk about it. Okay? All right, so our basic nature is our own um, self-interest. Secondly, one, another thing, that, another quality, another descriptor that Paul gives here is that we often try to make ourselves look good. He says here, do not be selfish. And uh, in the version I read, don't try to impress others. Um, basically, do not be filled with vain conceit is what some of your versions will say. It will also say, do not be filled with empty glory. Um, it's basically an idea saying that basically we try to make ourselves look good. We puff ourselves up, and puffing ourselves up doesn't do any good for being able to serve other people. Listen, when you go for a job interview, you, you take out your resume, you, you, you put a lot of all the good stuff on your resume. We never put bad stuff on our resume, and then some of us uh, are tempted to. We, we make sure the resume looks even better than it really is, you know, uh, C++, do I know that? Um, well, yeah, I pretty much do. I'll just put that on there anyway. You know, they'll figure it out after they hire me that I don't really know it. That's okay. We'll worry about that later, right? So, so we put things on the, on the resume that, you know, we think we, we, you know, we, we just make ourselves look good, right? And we're taught in our world that we are supposed to do that. The problem is, is that, more importantly than resume, because there's nothing long, wrong with putting our best foot for, forward and having a good resume. But the problem is, is that it's very tempting for us to make ourselves out to be better than we really are. The problem in my marriage is not me, it's her. The problem in my workplace is not me, it's them. It's never me, it's always them, right? The problem with my kids is not me, it's them, right? It's always them. You know, when, when, I, when I go around, uh, when I'm outside of San Jose and I go around the world and, and people, uh, some people, you know, know that I've had a little bit of success in my life, I guess you would say, and uh, they hear about some of the things I'm doing, they'll say, you know, hey, this is really cool. I mean, it's, isn't it awesome to be a little bit successful? And, and I say, well, yeah, but, you know, it's okay. And they're like, well, what do you mean it's okay? You know, isn't that, isn't that great? I mean, I've had a lot of people ask, isn't that great to, to, to do some successful things? And I'm like, well, it depends, because my biggest fear is believing my own hype. Now, I, in the first service, I mentioned this. I could see the ladies' faces didn't really get what I meant, so maybe this is a more of a man thing. But, you know, it's really easy, uh, for, especially for us guys, when we start to be successful in our careers, successful in our jobs, successful in some of the endeavors that we do, that we start doing what? Yeah, I got it going on. Yeah, pretty good. C- CEO, yeah, that's right. That's right. You, I have my own parking place. Yeah, that's right. 
and we start to do what Michael does up here, because Michael, you know, in the, in the video clip that we saw, what he's now the boss, and he thinks that everyone should just stop their whole life because what? Stop everything because it's his birthday, right? And he doesn't even, he's not sensitive enough or caring enough or unselfish enough to realize that one of his employees is getting some really possibly bad, life-threatening news on the phone, right? And so we often try to make ourselves look good. The Bible, again, in other versions, says it's a vain conceit and empty glory. We hype ourselves up because it makes us feel good and we like it, right? Wouldn't it be nice, I know none of you are interested in this, but wouldn't it be nice if all around the world as we walked, people always went, when we walked by, right? That, we wouldn't like that, would we? No, we'd eat it up. We'd love it, right? We'd love it because what does it do? It's telling us how good we are, how great we are, how much conceit and glory we deserve, right? It all goes back to what happened in the garden because Adam and Eve wanted to be like God or wanted to be God. And so they took and they ate the fruit because they wanted it. They wanted to please themselves. And when we go around, nothing feels better than to have people be like this after us. We, if we were CEO of a company, we would hire people who would just be this. Or maybe the palm prophet, right? You know, that's what it'd be. But the Bible says that it is an empty glory or a vain conceit because when we try to make ourselves look good, there's a couple things that happen. Number one, what happens is this, is that it's easier for most of us. If we're Donald Trump or somebody super famous and super rich, then maybe you could, you could have it the other way. But for most of us, it's easier to tear other people down than it is to build ourselves up, right? I mean, if you and your team at work are trying to get something done and you want to make sure that the boss knows you're the best person on the team, you could work harder or you could try to add more value to the conversation and to the teamwork, but you don't do that. We don't do that, right? Because it's easier just to tear them down so to make yourself look better, right? Uh, but even beyond that, even if we lift ourselves up, what are we still doing? We're still saying, look, hey, it's me, right? It's, it's all about me. It's all about me. We often try to make ourselves look good, and what that does is, is it puts other people down around us. It hurts them. It damages them because we focus on ourselves. We all know how to say I, 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 right? Um, I do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. You know a trick? Um, this is probably true. You can use it if you want in your workplace. I don't know. Um, but if you uh, meet someone and you're having a hard time getting a conversation started with them, what do you always do? It's like it's cold and you're trying to get a conversation started. What do you, what do you always do? You ask them about yourself. Because then the next sentence that comes out of their mouth is, well, I, and then most people have no problem continuing on from there. Well, I do this and I like this and I do this and I do that. And people will talk on and on and on about I, 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 right? Because it's that vain conceit that comes into our lives. It's that desire that we have to be above other people and to make ourselves look good. The Bible says here, empty glory. And, you know, I can't help but think in the ancient world of the Greek idea about how we are the champions. You know that song by Queen? I know I'm dating myself, but we are the champions, right? And, and, so, and so it is all about us being champions. But yet the Bible says it's empty. Empty glory is one of the ways it's translated because it doesn't lead to fulfillment. Look, we can have all the toys, we can have all the money, we can have all the success, we can have all the fame, we can have all the women or men, whatever, um, and you know what? All that stuff will eventually disappear. The, the money can dry up, the toys don't have their luster really anymore, fame will get our 15 minutes and then nobody will care about us anymore, 
uh, the women and men don't want to be around us when we look like prunes and we're ready to be, you know, uh, six feet under. It all eventually goes away because it's empty. It has no eternal value. That's why the Bible calls us to live our lives with eternal value because it makes a huge difference. We often try to make ourselves look good. These two things will not lead to us living our lives with humility. Instead, we should count others better than ourselves. This is what Paul's saying here, that if we want to have be a servant like Jesus, and we're going to talk about why that matters in a minute, then we must count ourselves better. I'm sorry, we must count, Steve, and I said there. We should count others better than ourselves, not ourselves better than others. How easy is that for me to say that, right? We should count ourselves first and other people second, right? That's, that's the way it works. Oh. Instead, we should count others better than ourselves. Um, the Bible here says, uh, be humble, thinking of others is better than yourself. Now, I have a real problem with this word, be humble, um, because I am not very humble. I struggle with humility. Um, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it's not easy uh, to be humble. I, if you guys are honest with yourselves, many of you will also say it's not easy being humble. Um, humility is not a value in our world. Um, when, when we think about humility, we don't come out of the womb, uh, we don't come into our world thinking about how we can make other people look good and how we can lift them up rather than lifting ourselves up, right? I mean, again, we know about how to lift ourselves up. And the world says if you don't lift yourself up, no one else will, right? In, in our world, humility is not really a value. I say it's not really a value because uh, our world, the Western world, is still quasi-little bit Judeo-Christian. And so th things like, you know, purity and gentleness and... Um, humility, you know, somewhere in school or in Sunday school or something, you know, someone tells us we should be like that, but our world doesn't really reflect that. In fact, uh, let me throw a slide here. In, in the ancient world, um, humility was considered worthless. It was equated with being dumb as a slave. That's what it was, that if you had a humble attitude that you were mentally retarded like a slave, that was the viewpoint in the ancient world of if you were humble, right? And so the ancient world, just like our world today, doesn't see humility as being a good thing. But yet instead, the Bible does call Paul, says here, be humble, take on humility. What is humility? What is humility? Well, if you're like me, you have a hard time even defining it, right? I mean, what is it? The Bible tells us to be humble, but what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it look like? Do we see it very often? You know, humility, um, as Paul sort of defines it here, so I'm going to stick close to him. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Humility, counting others as being worth more than you. Humility, putting yourself under someone else. Humility, allowing other people to have the right of way. Humility, loving other people when they would not otherwise be loved. Uh, humility, granting other people... Um, grace in situations where they may not deserve it. Humility is not something that we do because people look at us like we're retarded when we give grace to other people. When we, when we do something that's humble, people say you're being a, a schlep and you're just, you're just being weak and you're being a wimp, right? When you're humble. But yet the Bible calls us to be humble to each other. Now, I, like I said, I'm I'm not humble. I'm just, I wish I was. It would be awesome. But we don't start out life like that. That's why I said I'm going to be very, we can do this. We, we, we have the opportunity to do this this morning, right? Because it's, it's difficult. Um, I would like to say 
uh, I put this challenge in the first service. I can't do it here because my wife's here. But I would like to say that humility is something, though, that I've tried to work on in my life because it's not something that comes natural. You know what I really have to do is I have to take, like, a sticky note and I have to stick it to my brain every time I do anything that puts me in a situation where I can believe my own hype. I have to put it on my brain, just catch it right here, and then any time I open my mouth, just think, how can I say this humbly? How can I say this in such a way that will make me not be all about me, but make it about someone else? And it's hard. Now, I believe, and maybe falsely, <laughs> but I believe that I have gotten better over the last five, six, seven years because I've actively worked on it. But the same thing is going to be true of you. It's not going to come naturally. Gary's laughing because he's saying that's not true. So fine, it's not true. I'm still working on it. I'll just get another post-it note, and I'll stick up here on my brain as well. doesn't matter. Here's the thing. For us to be humble, it goes the counter to our world, and you have to take the initiative um, in your life, and you have to just pray and ask God to give you the opportunity and the spirit of humility. Otherwise, it's not going to happen because it doesn't come natural. But yet the Bible says that we are to be humble like Christ was humble. And that's really weird because we don't, you know, it's not, we don't see why Jesus would be humble. Why would Jesus be humble? I mean, we know he's like saint and, you know, halo and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but why, you know, why do we be humble? Why should we be humble? The Bible says here that we should count others as better than ourselves. That when we number them, we should number them higher than us. Is sort of literally what it says here in the original language. That we should number them, count them better um, than ourselves. And so what happens is, as we go through life, being humble means that we give other people the right of way rather than ourselves. We uh, engage them. Let's talk about how this is going to happen. Um, and then, and we look out for the good in others' lives. Paul says here, don't, uh, sorry, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves, and then don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others either. What it, what it, a more accurate, what it really says here is look for the good in other people. You know, I'm going to use an example from church, and then we'll relate it back to, we can relate it back to marriage and relationships to a certain degree. But um, I'll, I'll just use an example from church, because here's the problem. We talked about this last week. All of you come to BBC, if you look around for a minute, everybody's very different, right? We have rich, we have poor, we have white, we have everything. We have uh, young, we have old, we have female, we have male, we have everything, okay? Um, so there isn't any, you know, a mono anything here. Um, and it's very unusual because we would never all get together. Like if we're at the mall, if we were all together, people would think, wow, well, this is some weird group, right? Because it would not be normally like this. We'd have the rich people in one section, the poor people in another section, or we just divide up along lots and lots of different lines. And so when, when we come together in church, even in a mono situation where it's mono-economic or mono-ethnic or mono-gender or mono-age, even when you come together in those situations, and if you've been in other churches, you know that a lot of times people will, will fight about things, and they'll, they'll argue about things, and they'll say, you know, the church should be this way, and the church should be that way, and, you know, the walls should be white, not yellow, or green instead of red, or whatever the case may be, right? And, and, and when that happens, you get really frustrated because you, you, you just want to say, no, this is not, you know, this is right, don't tell me what to do. You know, I love it because, as I shared last week, um, every week or two, on average, probably, especially recently, I get a lot of people come in, especially in one of the services, and they come at specific service, and they come in, and they tell me, look, I've got the solution to fix your church's problems. And I'm like, cool, I didn't, I didn't know we, I'm sure we do have problems, but I didn't know we, you know, had this problem that you know about and I don't know about. 
because it's your first time here at BBC. And, and so they'll go on and they'll tell me about how if I just do this and give over this to them and give them this and that, that they'll fix it and they'll solve it and that sort of thing, right? I had one guy a couple months ago come in and tell me, you know, the, the church was huge before you came and you destroyed it, but that's okay, I'm here to help you. And I, 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 was, I was mad. I wanted to just be like, but you know what would come out of my mouth? Because by the way, that's not true at all. But, um, w w you know, I wanted to say, but you know, nothing could come out except for what? I. No, you don't know because I, or maybe we if I was feeling generous, but it was wanted to be I, right? And so the Bible calls me to do this, which is to look for the good in others' lives. But don't miss this because here's what's key. There is no good in that person's life. There is no good in my life. There's no good in your life. Who, where, who, where does all the good, what is, who is the source of all good in our world? It's God himself, right? And so the good that, that comes out of me only comes from God. The Bible tells us to look for the good in each other when we are submit ourselves and humble ourselves to other people. Why? Because we are not lifting them up. We're lifting up what God has done in their lives. Remember, this is a message for believers, so it's talking about believer to believer here. But, but when I see CJ, I don't see, there's no good in him. His wife will tell you, there's no good in him. There's no good in him. The good that comes in him is because of God's righteousness in his life. And so if I submit myself to CJ, if I humble myself to CJ, then I am humbling myself because of God's action and goodness in his life, not because of him and his inherent value. Because he has no inherent value. He has the value that God has given him by redeeming him. And this is really critical. Because when you're in a situation where you're butting heads with somebody whether it be at church or whether at home, your wife's telling you, your husband's telling you, you do it this way and don't give me any more sass, don't give me any more lip, you know? And you have a choice to fight them or to humble yourself to them. You humble yourself because of God's goodness in their lives, not because of their necessarily inherent value. Even if you love them, even if your spouse, you still humble yourself to them because of what God has done in your life. That's the reason why you give them a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance if they're honestly, truthfully just trying to work it out the best way they can. I mean, if they're trying to tear down your church, trying to tear down your home, that's a different issue. They're not a believer, a different issue. But if they're trying the best they can and they're, they're, just, they're offending you, they're hurting your feelings, they're saying things, you know what? We still humble ourselves. We don't beat them down. We humble ourselves. Why? Because we know of the goodness that lives inside of them because of what God has done to redeem them. See, it's not a meek, wimpy, sissy, you know, humble, bow down to anyone else. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we just realize that God has given them goodness and righteousness, and we submit ourselves to that. We humble ourselves to that goodness that is in that person because of what God has done. We look out for the good in other people's lives. We look out for the good in their lives. We see what God has done, and we're willing to humble ourselves. We're willing to yield to them. We're willing to extend them grace where grace may not otherwise, where we may not otherwise want to do it, but we do it because of what God has done in their lives as testimony to them. When we fight with someone uh, from our home to our church to whatever, it doesn't have to be a fight if we both are willing, if we both are following Jesus and we're willing to humble ourselves to the other person. It doesn't have to be that way, which is why these are parts of what Paul talks about leads to unity and leads to peace and leads to harmony. 
Second idea this, this morning is that we can become like Jesus, that we can become more like him. But becoming more like him doesn't mean us becoming full of ourselves, doesn't mean for us becoming self-righteous, doesn't mean telling everyone else why their way of doing church is wrong or their way of doing marriage is wrong or their way of doing parenting is wrong. Um, it means that we become more like him and we look at his example um, to lead our lives. Why should we serve others instead of helping ourselves? I mean, you know, come on. We could go out here and do a lot of stuff for ourselves and make ourselves feel good, and it would feel a lot better than serving other people, right? Why should we? Why should we serve other people? It's harder, a lot harder. It's a lot less fun, at least at the beginning. Why should we do it? Well, it looks kind of glum here this morning. I mean, why should we do this, right? <clears throat> Well, there's several reasons, and I'm only going to sort of tease you because we're going to deal with them over the next two weeks. But let me give you a couple. Number one, I hate to say it. I know you're going to hate this because God tells, tells you to do it. Now, if I tell you, here's what, uh, let me just ask you. If I go to some, the average BBCer, just the average BBCer, and I go to them and say, hey, listen, I want you to do this to serve the church. What are they going to do? Okay, and then not show up. That's what they're going to do, right? That's what they're going to do. That's average. I know all of you sitting here would never do that to me. Uh, but, you know, average, that, that's the way it's going to be. And so the thing is, is that when we, when we look at it at the, at, the, at the gut level, at the ground level, we do it because God is telling us to do it. I know it's unpopular because in our world, we don't like to people tell us what to do. We don't like to have anyone to have authority over our lives. But at the end of the day, you know, God says, listen, if you love me, you're going to serve other people. You're going to humble yourself, and you're going to be you're going to you're going to live your life as Jesus wanted you to live. That's what we're going to do. Now, again, I know that's not fun. I know it's not easy, but that's the truth. So I'm not sugarcoating that. Okay, but let me give you some other reasons too. Okay, number two. Let me see. I don't have a slide. Yeah, number two is is that we're going to do it. We want to be humble because we want to serve others because that's what Jesus did. And, and for most of us who are here, we've, had some, we've made a decision to follow Jesus. We want to be like him. We don't know how it all works out, but we're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and that we're willing to serve him. That would be a reason for us to submit ourselves to other people. And there's a third reason, too. I gave different reasons in the first service because there's, there's, you, could give, you could probably get five or six. But here's another reason, too. Because whatever we do on our own doesn't seem to work. We tear other people down, and we lift ourselves up, and it doesn't make us any happier. In fact, the more we tear them down and lift ourselves up, what does it do? Brings more strife and makes us more unhappy. Try it. Go to work tomorrow morning and put down all your coworkers incessantly all day long. Do it. You'll feel good for a few minutes, but after a while, you ain't going to feel so good, Right? Because you're reversing what God has called you to do. God has called you to serve other people and allow your second, your, allow yourselves to be counted second. Listen, here's the thing. We must choose whether we will do it our way or God's way. This is where it comes down to because many of us here this morning, some of us may not have ever decided to know Jesus. But many of us, we serve him 2% or 4%. The average person that comes in BBC is... 4%, 6%. We show up at church on occasion, you know, 
we, 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 if, if, if the pastor asks us to do something, maybe we'll do something. You know, if Easter, Christmas, we set aside because that's what we're supposed to do. We're 2% over 4% or 6%. But God calls us to live 100%. We don't see Jesus do what? Jesus didn't come to earth and say, hey, man, cool. Forget this manger thing. I want to be born in a palace. And then I want people to do this when I walk by. And, and I want to be a king. Forget this dying on the cross thing. I'm just going to be a king, and it's going to be all about me. Because I'm Jesus, and doggone it, I'm good enough. I'm nice enough, and people should really, really like me, right? I deserve it because I'm me. And we do that naturally in our own way. But God says for us to be a follower of him, we have to completely turn that over on its head and do it God's way. So the question that you're going to have to ask yourself, because this is not easy. We're confronted with the world. And on TV, we hear people and they tell you, oh, you just be a Christian. You just do a couple little things, give some money to us. And you're a Christian and it's all good, right? But it's not. Because God calls us to live the way he wants us to live and to follow him not 2% or 4% but 100% and that's what Jesus did that's the reason why if you read this text a lot of churches they'll just skip right to the Jesus part which is okay but you forget that this whole point of this is to demonstrate it to us so that we will live our lives not 2% or 4% for God but 100% they will he'll, we'll choose his way rather than our way so that's the question to be humble to serve others you're not going to do it on 2% you're only going to do it at 100% because it's going to take significant work on your part and a significant desire to be like Jesus, to have God in your life for it to be a reality. Let's pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, let me just give a minute. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never actually committed your life to Jesus. You've never said, uh, you know, I want to be 100% for God. I, be, I want Jesus to be 100% my Lord and Savior of my life. If you're here and you feel like that, and you, for the first time, and you want to make Jesus Lord, you want to be 100%, just lift up your hand. Let me pray for you. Anyone here this morning? Anyone here? All right, then for all of us here this morning, Father, we just pray um, that this morning, Lord, we would desire not to be 2% or 4%, but that instead, Father, we would desire to be 100%. That, Father, it's not going to be easy for us to be humble, for us to, to put others in front of ourselves, but, Father, you can do it in our lives, and you've called us to live our lives that way. Father, whether it's sticky-noting these ideas to our minds or whatever it is that causes us to live, to be totally turned over to you and to follow Jesus the way he wants us to live, Father, may it happen. Grant us your spirit to make it a reality in our lives. Father, we, I pray that, that VBC would be a place where peace and harmony and unity continues to reign, Father, and that you would just allow us to work together and to serve each other, to love each other the way you Christ loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.